Hi, I'm Pastor Gabe with the Reborn Church, and welcome to our podcast. I pray today as you listen, the message would inspire you, encourage you, and strengthen you, and give you a craving for righteousness, to pursue holiness with God-glorifying ambitions. This is the Word of God. Verse Luke, uh, Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 22 says, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed him, blessed God, and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared the prince of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Ephaniel, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of God. You may now be seated. The sermon title for today is Face to Face. Um, when I was studying this incredible narrative of Luke and his description of the baby Jesus, and it's important how he was very detailed in describing what was happening with the baby Jesus and these two individuals that are described here in the passage we're going to study the two people that we're going to talk about, their lives are highlighted because of their conduct. Their lives are highlighted because these are two disciples that we can actually pattern our lives around. One uh, being much older, and the other one, of course, was older too, but the fact that she was single, the fact that she was alone, she was a widow, and she was single. And so I decided to name the sermon title Face to Face because these two individuals saw the face of God. They saw the baby Jesus 
they saw the face of God. And when you think about that and in detailing this, like Luke is letting you know that from the very beginning, Jesus, from the moment he was born, was God, was God born. God comes down to us. His grace comes to us. Jesus is God. And here as the baby, Luke is very descriptive about what's taking place here about these two individuals face to face with God. How many of you think about that sometimes when you're in your worship, like today we were singing or maybe in times of your prayer life or times when you read the word of God that you think about one day that you will see the face of God. Do you ever think about that? I, I think about that quite often. I know one day that I will see the face of God. I also think about this too, because we kind of discuss this a lot. I, I do a lot of different counseling with different individuals, and sometimes we do talk about life, and then we do talk about death quite a bit, because that is really um, two of the things that come up most often because a lot of us are affected by death, but yet we have people that we know that we love dearly that have passed on. They have seen the face of God. That is what our hope is. We have a living hope that no matter what you encounter, no matter what you are going through, and if you're if you're sick, if you're ailing, you're, you're ailing, you have an ailment or whatever it is that you may be going through, that one day that we will see the face of God. That is our joy. That is why we have the joy of the Lord. That's what the Bible describes to us as the joy of our salvation, that one day that we will see the face of God. I really, truly, uh, at times, are overjoyed when I see you walk through the doors or when I get a chance to fellowship with you. I am overjoyed because I get to have a face-to-face -face meeting with you. I get to hear about what's happening in your life. I get to talk to you about what we need to do to grow as a church. And this past um, year has been a rough year for us at the church, but God has always provided and we got through it. And one of the things that I love so much was the fact that I've had a lot of fellowship with a lot of you. We've had a lot of one-on-one -on -one, uh, meetings and counseling and talking together. And I can say that this has been one year where I would see that I pray that our numbers would grow as a church. I pray that there would be more people because we want to see more people strong in God. We want to see more people get saved. We want to see more individuals turn their ways of the turn against the world and come to God. So we pray for this often. And we have these face-to-face -face meetings with people and we love to see new faces. And that's one of the things that I'm truly motivated about because I want to see people come to saving faith in Jesus and this has been a tough year for us but so one of the things that I can tell you without a without a shadow of a doubt is that I know I know a lot of you here you have grown spiritually you have gotten stronger spiritually you understand the word of God you're understanding more and more of doctrine you understand what theology means you understand and you're growing in the things of God and that I simply rejoice and I can look at you face to face and just be overjoyed because I know for a fact that you have grown in the things of God because you are handling certain situations differently than you did before how do I know? Because I talked to you quite a bit. You are dealing with things differently than you have before. Why? Because you are actually applying the word of God to your life and it's affecting you and it's carrying you and it's sustaining you to get through some of the things that you are able to go through. And also you are able not to bring your problems to me sometimes, but you know how to deal with it yourself and you are able to help other people in the situations that they face. That truly is growth in the things of God. So face to face, I often think about seeing God face to face and we're going to see we're going to see in the text two individuals who get to see 
the baby Jesus and they see God face to face. Let's go to the text. Here in the sermon point, uh, it tells us that Luke proceeds to tell us how the baby Jesus was born under the law and was circumcised on the eighth day. So Jesus is taken to the temple. This is why we have baby dedications. That's why we love to do baby dedications. We do baby dedications here. But this is probably one of the most strangest baby dedications you're ever, ever going to hear about here. So we are in verse 22. And it says this, and when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So right away, Jesus is already following the law. Mary and Joseph are following the law. Jesus does never break the law. Jesus is sinless, and he doesn't break the law. Next week is going to be an interesting story about Jesus and the disappearance of Jesus at 12 years old. Jesus actually disappears, and no one can find him. And no one can find him. So we'll talk about that next week and where they discover Jesus. But here, Mary and Joseph are taking Jesus to the temple to have him um, circumcised according to the law of Moses. So they're following the law. Jesus will be circumcised on the eighth day as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. Now here you got a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Well, Mary and Joseph were very poor. They were young and yet they were very poor. And two of the offerings that were suitable if you did have enough money was you could bring two turtle doves or you could bring two pigeons and that would be accepted in the temple because they were very poor. They didn't have the, the finances to provide a lamb. So they provided pretty much the next best thing. So there we know that Mary and Joseph were uh, under financial restraint there. And then it says, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. So here you get a description. It doesn't really tell us that he's old here. Even in the passage we read, doesn't really tell you that he's old, but you can kind of uh, infer that he may, be, he may be old because he was promised before he would see death that he would see the face of God. And so Simeon here is described as being devout and righteous, righteous and devout. And even when we go through the passages and we'll read about Anna as well, you're not really given a description about what they look like. It doesn't tell you they had a long beard or she had long hair. It doesn't tell you any of those things. But you're going to get a description of these two individuals that are described from the inward. They describe them from the inward. But in the world, and in the world of social media, in the world of Instagram, in the world of Facebook, in the world of pictures, I think everybody cares what you look like. I think you care what you look like. Because you're going to filter things, you're going to make things right to make sure that before you put a picture up there, it's going to make, make sure it looks really, really good because you want to make sure you look good on the outside. Okay, I'm, I'm guilty as well. We all do that. We all do that. My, my daughter-in-law described one, she called it the pastor selfie. A long time ago, it made me laugh. I still stuck, that still stuck with me. But look, everybody in society cares about image. Everybody cares in society about image. We, are, uh, we were doing Christian rap music for many, many years. My brother's here, vocab is here as well. And we did Christian rap music for a lot of years. And I did it from 1999 until 20, really, I became a pastor. And that was 2012, 2013. We kind of still mess with a little bit. But even then, you still had this image that you wanted to present to the people wherever you went. You want to have image. Image is important. But before, in the music industry, even today, in Hollywood and in the industry, the music industry, image is important. You have to look a certain way. You have to act a certain way. I'm talking about things on the outside. 
when it comes to image, according to the music business. Now, if you're talented and you have just this plain look about you, well, the ministry, the industry, well, the deal, they'll take you and they'll change you up a little bit. They'll rearrange your whole look to make you look like something you're not, but it's suitable for them because they want to make sure that you have an image. Now, for the reading and the reading of the word here, we don't get to see or hear about what the looks of Anna were like or what the looks of Simeon were like, but what we are are going to get a description of who they were on the inside, meaning God cares about what you are on the inside. Outside, it doesn't matter. Outside matters to you and me. Outside matters to us. We want to make sure the hair's right, uh, our, you know, our, our nails are done right, whatever. You know, your hair's good, that your makeup's on. We care about that on the outside, but I'm telling you, God doesn't care about that. God cares about what you are on the inside, what you are on the inside. I tell you this, whatever you do in private always comes out in public. Now, whatever you're doing in the private, in, in, all the, by yourself, Whatever you're practicing in that private time eventually will come out when something strikes your character. What have you been doing in private comes out publicly. Sometimes we can't help with some of the things we say because we act that way in private. But when something hits outside, all of a sudden it's exposed a little bit. So I'm praying that all of us grow stronger in the things of God. I've seen us grow stronger in the things of God. But I'm also praying... For all of us and you here today, that we all grow stronger, that we spend more time privately with the Lord. That way, whatever happens publicly, we're able to be the representation of God that God has called us to be. Because God cares about the inward. He cares about what's going on inside. Now, whatever you hear from the outside and you take into your spirit, whatever you watch from the outside with your eyes, the Bible describes and says our eyes are like the eye gate to the soul. And so when you, whatever you watch, whatever you hear, whatever you're taking into your spirit, eventually will come forth from your heart. So if you're watching filth, you will act filthy. If you're listening to filth, then you will talk filthy. There are some things that we need to reject. Last week I told you about two people in the word of God who were Zechariah and who was Elizabeth, that people that were they took the time to get away from the things of the world. They took the time to isolate themselves. They took the time to be in seclusion, to be stronger in the things of God so that it's pleasing to God. This is not something that we do because we want to find favor or whatever it is. This is something that we do because we love God. And when you love God, you will spend time with God. You love your husbands, wives, wives love their husbands. You will spend time with one another. Fathers spend time with their children. I love to spend time with my grand grandchild. Why? Because we love them and we want to spend time with them. How much do you love Jesus? Are you spending time with Jesus? Through people here who we read about are obviously aware of what's happening right now. They're aware of what's happening at this particular time. But the Sanhedrin probably doesn't know what's going on, that the baby Jesus has been born. They read the Torah. They read the law of Moses. But yet they themselves don't even know that Jesus was born. They're not looking for the consolation of Israel that way. So here, Simeon understands the scripture. He's understanding the word of God. And so something has happened. Something has been exposed to Simeon. The Holy Spirit has has. As, as upon him, making him aware that something incredible has happened. The greatest miracle to ever get the entire world was the fact that Jesus came into the world Amen. to become man, to save man from his sins. And so Simeon's aware of it, but nobody else is really aware of it. But here, Simeon is well aware of it, and so is Anna. Anna's aware of it as well. Two people in the entire region aware 
that something incredible is happening, that God has spoken. The silence has been broken. It's been 400 years since Jesus, since anybody has heard from God. And yet here, Simeon is aware of it, and so is Anna. And he's described as righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for Israel to be redeemed, waiting for this incredible moment to come. And then the Bible says this, this is verse 25, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. I spoke about that last week, that there are times before the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit will be upon someone for a purpose, for a prophetic purpose, for architectural purposes. The, the Holy Spirit would be upon somebody. The Holy Spirit was upon Zechariah. The Holy Spirit was upon here, Simeon as well, before the day of Pentecost. So now that we know Simeon was full of the Holy Spirit. And he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. And then this is what he said. This is the old man. He comes and he grabs Jesus from Mary. Imagine what Mary's feeling, this, 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 this man who, who's obviously got a white beard and, and they didn't cut their beards and he had a long beard. He was advanced in age and here he's been promised by God that he would see the Lord's Christ, meaning he would see God himself. And he gets to hold the baby, and he takes the baby from Mary. Imagine what Mary's feeling at this time. Mary knows something special about Jesus. The Holy Spirit obviously revealed, and the angel Gabriel revealed who, who, who Jesus was to Mary. So this is something that Mary's watching, and, and she gives the baby over to Simeon, and Simeon takes the child, and Simeon blesses the Lord with a song. And he says this in verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. So obviously... He's stating there's why we can infer that maybe he was very well advanced in age, that he's getting to see the baby Jesus. He's an old man, but now he's going to pass off. Now he's going to die and he will be with God the Father in heaven. So he's writing this song and he says this song. He says this from the head. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word so that we have the assurance and the promise of God that God would send a Savior into the world, that God would send Jesus into the world, and according to your words, is according to your word. Why does he say according to your word? Because he was a devout studier. He, he was devout in the word of God. He knew the word of God. So he studied the Torah, and he said, according to your word, the word is powerful, the word is true. We can stand on the word of God. The word of God, it will never return void. It always hits the mark. When people are struggling in sin, when people are struggling in life, when they don't know what's going on in life, why don't you read them the word of God? The word of God is what's going to change somebody. The word of God is what gives you strength. The word of God is what you need because the word of God is what's going to change you. Not my ideas, not my thoughts, but the word of God is what changes and transforms people. It's simple. Open up the Bible and read. And you can talk to somebody and say, well, where should I start? How can I be righteous and about? Well, you are righteous because you have been given the righteousness of Christ. But you'll never be righteous by your own merits. You've been given the righteousness of Jesus. Remember I talked about last week that robe that you're placed on? He gives you the robe of righteousness. That's something that you have been given because of him. Because according to the law, he's been abiding by the law since the, since the moment he was born. And now abides by the law by going to the temple. Here's the baby dedication. He goes to the temple. He's being circumcised on the AD according to the law of Moses to redeem those under the law. We are under the law before Christ and we were cursed by the law. There was no way we could abide by the law. We break the law every single time. But because Jesus, and he comes to fulfill the law, and he absolutely perfects the law. All of us are then redeemed, and we've been given his righteousness. Amen. And so there's Simeon, righteous and devout. 
knows the word, studies the word, seeing the face of God. Imagine his life, how he was. This older man who gets to hold the baby. A lot of us, we, like I mentioned last week, we have some beautiful babies here. I mean, really, really beautiful babies here. And we hold the babies and we grab the babies and we love to hold the children. And you look at the child and it's something to behold because you just fall in love, you know? You, you love that. Imagine the way Simeon felt. But what he's going to say is going to stir it up a little bit. What he's going to say about this baby will kind of, it'll hit you a little bit because you're like, that's exactly what happened to me. What Simeon quotes here and he says to Mary is something that all of us can relate to. All of us can relate to. Now, last week I told you that Jesus and the life of Jesus is like a magnet. It draws you in. Did Jesus draw you in? Yes, he did. He, he draws you in. But to others, Jesus is a repellent. He, people don't want anything to do with Jesus. And we've, we've had outreaches and we've had many times we want to minister to people. People could care less about Jesus. Just give me the basket of food. I don't really, I'll go through and I'll listen to what you got to say, but just give me the clothes. I really don't want your Jesus. That's what happens. That's the way it is in the world. People will reject Jesus, but we know who Jesus is. And we understand that we are drawn to him. We love him for all that he does, all that he is, and all that he will do according to the coming of the Lord and how he'll redeem and make everything right when the earth is crying out for its redemption. You know the earth is alive. Do you not know that? The earth is alive. That's why you have tornadoes and earthquakes. The earth is shaking and the earth is calling out and crying out for its day of redemption. The earth speaks. The earth is a testimony to man. The earth and nature itself is what the Bible says in Romans that you can't go outside and not see the glory of God because God created everything. When you go outside and you see the sun, you see the moon, you see the stars, you see the mountains, that's the testimony of God. That's the power of God. And yet the earth shakes and the earth cries out for its redemption too, just like our bodies cry out for redemption as well. That's why our bodies get older, our bodies get frail. I got out of the truck today, all of a sudden I discovered I had something wrong with my knee. It says, you get older. You get older. And so my body is crying out for redemption. And we will receive a new body, a glorified body. That's the living hope. That's what we can put our, our hope on, rest on, because Jesus has a body. I said this at Wednesday Bible study that Jesus has a body. Jesus did not return back to the a spirit as the Jehovah Witnesses teaches. The, our Lord, the God-man, he is a man. He is in heaven right now. He has a body. Everything, Jesus has the scars. He has a glorified body in heaven. This is our living hope. And yet Simeon gets to hold the child and he says, according to your word, because the word of God is true. Verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people. So he knows that this baby Jesus will be the savior of the world. He'll be the savior of many. A light for the revelation to the Gentiles. Look at what he says there. A light to the revelation to the Gentiles. Are we Gentiles, church? Yes, yes we are. But see, before that, remember, Jesus comes for the Jew first. He comes for the nation of Israel first. But here Simeon already knows the plan because the Holy Spirit has revealed to him that the, gent the Gentiles will be engrafted in as well. That means people from all nations will come to know Jesus. People from all nations will come and they will fall on their face before a great and holy God. And it's written right here and Simeon quotes it and reminds the people that 
Jesus comes for the Jew because he has to come for the Jew first. And when he comes for the Jew first, everything is going to be a byproduct from that. It's going to trickle down to everybody else. But he has to come for the Jew first. But here Simeon says that he's going to be a light to the Gentiles. Is he a light to you, church? Do you know Jesus today? You yourselves are born again. You are a light to the world and for the glory to your people Israel. Right after that, he says to the people of Israel, God is coming to save the nation of Israel as he's been, as he promised. Bless them. And he said, and his father and his mother marveled what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this is the, this is the part here that you guys are all going to resonate with right here. He blesses them. And he tells this to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed, may be revealed. Now, when we read that part, we know Jesus, he's. He's dedicating the baby, but imagine he says this when he holds the baby to the mom. Pretty much to paraphrase. Jesus is going to, your baby is going to be loved by many, and your baby is going to be hated by many. Your baby is going to be great, and then so many people are going to hate your child. Could you imagine, could you imagine those words being spoken on the day that your child is dedicated? I'm never going to say that. But imagine something like this is what's taking place here, that Jesus will divide households. The truth of Jesus and the love of Jesus will divide, will separate people. And he says himself, when he comes, he says, I didn't come to bring peace, but a what? A sword. Wait a minute. Isn't Jesus love? Jesus is all love, man. He's loving everybody. He loves you. He loves you. He just wants to love everybody. But of course, we know what Jesus does do. He exposes what's in your heart. And when he exposes what's in your heart, us being men, and sometimes women too can be very prideful, and we realize that we are in need of a savior, and we realize that, wait a minute, you have certain standards that I have to meet. It's not fair. It's not fair. I don't want that Jesus. I want the Jesus that just loves everybody. And if you, you, there's churches that'll teach that there's a Jesus that just loves us all, loves you in your sin, stay where you are, you're good. Hey, as long as you love me, I love you, and you're all right. Everybody's going to heaven. Everybody's going to heaven. That's the call, the universal Jesus. That there is no accountability for your sin. There's, there's none whatsoever. Just, just love Jesus and you're going to be fine. But here, Simeon describes the Jesus of the Bible that will cause division. People that will be the rise and resurrection of many, but a lot will deny Jesus and they'll fall. How many of us are so thankful that we're part of the ones who are, well, will rise with Jesus? But do you know anybody, church? You gave me the amen and say, yes, I know that I'm saved. I know that if I die today, I know that I'm going to see God. I'm going to be face to face with God. I'll, I'll see Jesus. I can rejoice in that. Give me Jesus. I don't need nothing else. But there are people, church, in your life that you know that they don't want anything to do with Jesus. They want nothing to do with Jesus. They don't want Jesus. But there's a Jesus. There's a, there's a, there's a, that's why we, we want to do doctrine for the block. We want to educate our church members. We want to educate others as well. 
when you come to this church, we're going to educate you that way. But that whole idea is really designed for the other people from, from different places to come here to get the truth and to hear the truth and to go back and to realize that, hey, you know what, maybe you've had some pretty bright speakers and people who are, who are very intelligent about what they know and they've enlightened me and they've shown me what I need to understand and what I need to know. And what I didn't know before, now I know is to be the truth. And so that you're able to defend the faith and that's what we want to do because, and that's true love. You want to love somebody and you want to be able to love them and, and pretty much call them out on some of the things that they're, they're involved in. If you didn't love them, you would just leave them, and leave them you would just let them be. And some people say, well, that, that's how it needs to be. Just leave them alone. Well, we really want to co have conversation, not confrontation. We want to have conversations with people. We want to talk about people who are in cults, people who are following a different Jesus, people who are going a different way in life and don't understand that they need Jesus because so many people will reject Jesus. They're rejecting Jesus even now. And you know people, there are organizations that are put together and they're all over, they're in America, they hate Jesus. They want nothing to do with Jesus. The moment you call them out on their sin, especially, especially sexually, they hate Jesus. And so they mock Jesus and they put programs up to mock our Savior. They mock him everywhere. Last week we talked about the Bible study. We said that they would mock Jesus. They're mocking Jesus even now. They mocked him then when he was alive and they'll mock Jesus even today. And it's all over TV. I was watching a show and flicking the channels. How many of you flick channels? Yeah, you have a, <laughs> you have a remote control. Erica, did you give your old man a remote? <laughs> you know, you have the remote control, you change his channels and you change his channel. I stumbled across this thing and it was a cartoon and they were making fun of Jesus in a cartoon and I was highly offended by it, but it's, it's really catered to the young people so that they can laugh about it and they can laugh about Jesus and it's pretty, it's pretty sad. But that's what's happening now. So Jesus is going to be the, for the rise and fall of many. So imagine how Mary's feeling. And Simeon says this very thing, that he is going to be the rise and fall of many in Israel. Then it becomes a rise and fall of many throughout the entire world. And then he says, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Jesus reveals what's in your heart. That's why some of us repent, and that's why some of us can't. And some of us will see the truth, and Jesus reveals the truth to us, and we pray for people. We pray that they would turn from their heart's desires. You guys know, you watch TV, your teachers, or whoever it may be, and if you don't go to a Christian school, sometimes you're in, the, the teachers will try to indoctrinate your children, and they'll tell you this one thing all the time, and they'll always say, baby, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. What do we say to that? Oh, we can't follow our heart. You can't follow your emotions and your feelings either. Because all are going to deceive you. Your heart will deceive you. Your emotions and your feelings will deceive you. So we tell you to follow the word of God and what is written. And when you follow the word of God, that is what you follow. That's the truth. It comes against all emotions and feelings. Now, the reason why what's revealed in your heart and what, why other churches do this, I'm not trying to uh, talk about negative about anything. I'm just trying to give people the truth of God's word. If church all could be just me standing behind this pulpit with a Bible and you come in with plastic chairs and you sit down together, is that good enough? Is that good enough for you? 
It's not good enough for a lot of people. We need the lights. We need the smoke screen. We need the popcorn machine. We need the incredible amounts of jewelry on my fingers. We need everything. We need three-piece suits. We need all this stuff because it looks good when you come in because you say, I'm coming into that church because they're blessed. Is church good enough, really? If it all it is is me opening up this Bible, you coming in here, turning one light on, let's sit, gather around together, let's read the Bible together. Is that good enough today? Is that good enough? That should be good enough. And you can do this in your own home. You can do this in your own home. Look at these questions right here, these take-home questions. Read a couple of them at dinner. Just read a couple of them. They're great, great questions that you have there. And, but what's in the hearts of a lot of people, and this is the incredible, and I will make this, I will make this statement because I've been there. Um, there's in Texas, in Texas, everyone goes to church in Texas. I've said this before. In church, culturally, you just go to church. Even if you don't believe in Jesus, you find a pick a church and you just go to it. That's just what you do culturally there. You just go to church. And also, you give. You always give when you go to church there. When you give when you go to church there, when you walk into a church there, what they have there at the, at the doors, they usually have the, the giving bucket right there when you walk in. You just walk in, hey, it's got to give, boom, I'm gonna sit down. Because that's just what you do culturally. That's what you do. You just go to church. How many of the people there that go to the church is not even saved? It's just something they do culturally because you go to church. You just go to church. But for us to get up in the morning in Arizona, you've got to be saved <laughs> to get up and go to church. When I see you come to church and you just, I made it in, I know you're saved, brother. Holy Spirit done got you up and come to church today. And you know you're saved. But in Texas, it's something you just do. You just go. Don't even know who Jesus is. You just go. Hear a motivational message. Hear something good about what's going to happen in your life. And you go there to get motivated. You go there to get, but we come here to learn about Jesus so you can take that with you and then you can go. And you are then challenged, especially when the tough times hit. Let's go on to talk about Anna. So here you have this outward look that's not important. It's not even described. But what is described is the inward person of Simeon. And that's what's most important when you take the life of Simeon. Number three, sermon point says, Luke records the thanksgiving of Anna, the prophetess to the Lord for the sending of the Messiah. Here was Anna. She spoke the word of God. She spoke the word of God. She was a prophetess and she can come and she could speak the word of God. She knew the word of God and she would speak the word of God. And she was thanking the Lord that she got to see the Messiah. Now she was a widow. Now it says here, according to the text, let's read it. Verse 36, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, meaning she was a lot older, having lived with her husband seven years from when he was a virgin, when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. So here we know that she was single. We don't really know how long she was single, but obviously it wasn't, it, she probably lost her husband early in her life. And it says she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer day and night. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him, all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. She gets to see Jesus. She gets to see the baby Jesus. But look at her life. Look at her life. Now, in the application part of it, um, before I talked about it, I talked about mirrors. And we look in the mirrors and we want to see what we look like. Um, you have social media. Sometimes you don't even have to look into a mirror. You can just look into your phone and then you can see what you look like, right? And you can fix the picture. You can do everything you can to fix your image. 
Uh, here, we have no description of what Anna is or what she looks like. It's not important, but what is important, what's inwardly. What, and what did she do? Here she was. She was a single lady. Never got remarried. But she was a single lady. And she knew the word of God. And she was strong in the word of God. And she got to see the face of God. She got to see the baby Jesus. And she was devout. And she was righteous. And in the application part of it, what you need to go home now, we've got six minutes, it says the lives of Simeon and Anna are highlighted for their godliness and are described as model disciples. We should seek to imitate as inwardly as far as our goal and priorities are concerned. Their priorities and how they live their life is exactly how we should live our lives and what's important. Now, in part number two, remember in our contemporary Christian living, the most important thing is to always trust God, obey his word. Look for the kingdom and be led by the Holy Spirit. That's pretty much everything that's laid out for you, how you should live your life. Trust God. Um, there's moments when we know that we have to trust God. How many of you had those trust God moments? You know, when you, you just don't have no money, you got nothing in your refrigerator, you got nothing in your gas tank, and you just trust in God, right? Or you don't feel good, you got to get through the week. You know, I, 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 was, um, I, felt, I felt for a lot of you because I kind of got hit with that same thing. And I'll, you guys heard me last week or a couple weeks ago. It's not all congested, whatever. But um, it's tough to be sick at this time, especially when you don't have like a real good job that takes care of you and like covers you and you don't have sick days. So, and, then, and then when you get that check, you look at that check, you're like, oh my God, am I going to make it? You're like, oh man, they didn't pay me for them three days as long as I've been working here. They didn't pay me for them three days I took off. And you get upset, right? You know how it feels? That check's a lot smaller. And those are your trust God moments. You're just going to trust God, right? Got to come to the Reborn Church because we give you some food. <laughs> I try not to laugh because I can't laugh and then something will come out. But, but you trust God. You just trust God. You trust God. Believe me, church, I'm trusting God. It's been a rough year for us here, and I'm trusting God. Did you know that we're up here? Our lease is up here in June. And I'm thinking of staying? I don't know. I may just have church in a house. Would that be good enough? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go backwards. I want to go forward. I don't want to go backwards. But it's because it's rough. It's rough. It's rough having church. It's rough being a pastor. So you have those trust God moments. You just want to trust God. I'm just going to trust God with everything. And so we do. We trust God. But the second thing about that is obey his word. Are you obeying his word? Are you doing what the word of God tells you? Do you look for the kingdom? Do you know those things when you look for the kingdom? Like you do things like when you just see something that you know is all God. You just see something. God places you in a situation where you know it's all God. A lot of you are being challenged right now. You used to pray for people who are sick and now you're sick yourselves. You used to pray for people for their financial, financial situation to get better because you were doing well. But now you're not doing so well no more. Life hits you with ups and downs. You got to trust God. Obey his word. You know, trust God. We, we're always, believe me, I've been challenged with the same things that I would pray people for. Pray people that would, would be strong in the word of God. All of a sudden, you know, you're being challenged with that very thing. That's why I teach warfare on Monday. You know, when you go pray for people and say, Lord, I, I'm praying for this financial situation. I'm praying for their, for their job situation. I'm praying their, their marriages would be healed. I'm praying their kids would not, would, would not be run astray. I'm praying for those things. And then you yourselves are challenged with those very things in your own private life. Like, why am I being attacked now? Well, because I was just praying for it. That's why it's warfare. We are all participants in warfare, whether you like it or not. You are in a war. Obey his word. Look for the kingdom and lead, be led 
by the Holy Spirit. Simeon was led by the Holy Spirit, and so was Anna. We always have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Tomorrow, that's why I brought this up, I'm going to show a little video about a lady who says what she describes the Holy Spirit as. And you're going to be blown away by what she says the Holy Spirit is. Now, we know the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is what resides inside of you, is what made you alive. You were once dead, but now you are alive because of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we, as I was speaking to my brother yesterday, we once desired things that God despised. Now we desire the things that God loves and we hate the things that God hates. And only the Holy Spirit, only the Holy Spirit could do that to you. And so tomorrow I'm going to show this video about a lady who describes what she says the Holy Spirit is like. You won't believe what she says. And there are millions of people who follow her. Millions of people who follow her. And I'll show that tomorrow. But we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Finally, with two minutes, application number three, the life of Anna holds high standards, excuse me, holds high standards for Christian singles. Singles should remain devoted to God first in preparation for future marriage by what? Praying, studying, sometimes fasting, and always in service. This is what this lady did. This is what she did. She said, I'm going to make sure that Jesus is my priority. And if Jesus is my priority and all things are Jesus, then God will bring who needs to be involved in my life. But don't think she wasn't strong enough to find out who was actually coming in her life and who was of God and who wasn't. But if you are close to God, you are strong in the things of God, you'll know and you'll be able to see, you'll be able to discern who God is actually placing in your life and who the enemy is strategizing to place in your life to keep you from the things of God. But here for the Christian singles, you have nothing um, but, but a great example from this lady Anna and what she did. She prepared herself by praying, by studying, sometimes fasting. I encourage fasting as well. And we can talk about that tomorrow. If some of you want to fast, you want to learn how to fast. Why you fast is very, very important. And then finally, always in service. You can find this woman always in church. That's why women love to worship God. Amen. They do. They worship God sometimes better than the men. <laughs> they worship God. They come to church. Hey, I'm going to church. Uh, you going to church? I don't, I'm, I don't know about you. I'm going to church. I'm leaving in five minutes. And I'm going to church to worship God. <laughs> That's the way the women of God are. And we as men need to get better as that as well, right? We need to get better. But praise the Lord. Let's pray. As we close here today on this wonderful Sunday that God has blessed us with. Let us pray. And if you need prayer, after I'm done praying, come up and we'll pray together. If you feel like you need to re-energize yourself or get your priorities together, let us pray. But we can pray, but we also want to execute a plan for you to do it. We can just pray about it, but we also want to make sure that we implement a plan that will help you in your walk with Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. For this wonderful day, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters who are here today. We are like family. You have blessed us that way. We're close. We always look out for each other. We're concerned for one another. And when we come together and we gather here in our moments of worship and giving and in service to you, Lord, we always want to make sure that we're looking out for each other and tending to each other's needs. There's so many needs that there are 
there, there is in the church family. Lord, you are our provider. We are trusting you with all these things. Um, we pray that you would continue to grow this church and bless this church so that we can be more impactful uh, like we were. Um, like the last year was a tremendous year, Lord. We're so thankful for all the things that you've done in the closing of last year and the new people that we met and the, the friends that we made. And also, Lord, the people that you placed in our life to help encourage us and edify us on our walk with you. And we know that fellowship is so important. So we're thankful for the creation of the church and why you created the church, Lord. It's for us to come together and to worship you and to thank you, but also to grow in fellowship and, and to be family and to help one another, encourage one another and help someone get through some of those tough times that they face. So, Lord, we pray today as we remember the life of Simeon and Anna and how their priorities were absolutely uh, in line with your will. And, Lord, you were with them. Lord, you blessed them. You gave them the opportunity to see your son who would come into the world, who would come under the law to redeem those by the law, Lord. And so we're thankful for the incredible plan of redemption that you have placed forth for many to come to know you. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for the elect, Lord, but we also know that there's so many out there that need to come to know the truth. Use us, use this church, use this small gathering, Lord, as an incredible powerhouse to go out, to go forth, to reach and to minister to the lost and the hurting and to share Jesus, as my brother said earlier, Deacon Santiago, when he said that Jesus is the answer for every question that one may have. And so we're so thankful, Lord, for the incredible plan of redemption that you put forth and you've entrusted us with your glorious gospel. So, Lord, we pray for this church. I pray for everybody here, the marriages, the families, everyone that's structured together, Lord, that they would continue to grow stronger in your word, that we all would become even stronger in the priorities and setting them forth. We come to vow, Lord, and, 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 and standing by the promises that you have blessed us with, Lord, and we continue to trust you and obey your word and stand for righteousness and goodness and holiness, Lord. Help us to pursue those things remove those things from our life that don't belong even sometimes we know that there are things that uh, seem seem good and and seem pleasant but are really not of you help us to have discernible spirits we're able to know and recognize it and remove it from our life lord so we pray today for stronger bind uh, together intimate times a moment where we can go in seclusion and to worship you and and to talk to you so we thank you today and this wonderful sunday you bless us with in the mighty name of jesus we gather together and thank you in your name in the mighty son of jesus the son of god jesus our king our lord who's done so much for us we give you the glory and honor in jesus my name church amen amen, amen. god bless you